Do you realize that um, Jesus Christ changed history? Now, I want you to think about this. B.C., 2000 B.C., 2500 B.C., before Christ. That's the way they divide time. Now, I want you to think about this. He divided history. 2000 B.C., then 2011 A.D. You know what A.D. stands for? In the year of our Lord. How could a person born in a stable in Bethlehem, never traveled a hundred miles from his home, never wrote a book, never had an office, how in the world could that individual divide history before Christ and in the year of our Lord? It's all because of what he did on that cross. You know, this is the week that we celebrate that changed the world. Today is what Christianity and history calls Palm Sunday. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a borrowed donkey. And he goes into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday and they have the palm branches. And guess what they're crying? Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna! And they were shouting and worshiping him. Little did they know that just in a short time, Judas would betray him. Little did they know that soon he would stand before Pilate. Little did they know that eventually they would pluck his beard out and spit in his face and put a wooden cross on his back and lead him out toward a hill shaped like a skull called Golgotha. Friday is, quote, unquote, good Friday. What's good about it? I mean, Jesus died on a cruel Roman cross. Why do we call it good Friday? But you know, Palm Sunday, his arrest, his betrayal, his arrest, his mock trial, and then on Friday, they nailed him to the cross. But you know what? That wasn't the end of the story. Amen. It was Friday, but Sunday was coming. And on the third day, hallelujah, he rose from the dead, never to die again. It's the week that changed the world. But today we're focusing on, as we prepare for the resurrection, we're focusing on the cross. In a few moments, we will observe the Lord's Supper together, which is all about remembering the cross. It's what it's all about. But I just want us to think today about the glory. We sang that song, I will glory in the cross. Why? There's a verse of scripture in Galatians six fourteen, where Paul said, God forbid that I should glory. The word there is boast. Now listen to what he said. God forbid that I should glory, boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world was crucified to me, and I was crucified to the world. For in Christ Jesus, it's not circumcision nor uncircumcision. That avails nothing, but it is a new 
creation. Paul said, I'm going to glory in the cross. Now, you know what I find today? There are two responses to the cross. Where, and the cross, by the cross, I mean the sacrificial death of Jesus. Jesus Christ dying for our sins. There are two responses. To some people, when you say, listen, let me tell you about the cross, that Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Now, he willingly and deliberately went to the cross, took every one of your sins that you would ever commit upon himself, died for your sins, died in your place, and God raised him from the dead. Now, some people hear that, and you know what? It's foolishness to them. Oh, come on. Don't tell me that the eternal destiny of my soul depends on what a man did on the cross 2,000 years ago. You see, you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18? The message of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. Whoo. And I'll be frank with you. When you start talking about the cross and Jesus dying in our place, man, don't hand me that. That's, that's religion. That's foolishness. The Bible said that's exactly the way some people would respond to the cross. Paul said, we preach Christ crucified to the, to the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Greeks, foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is Christ, the power of God. So some people respond to the cross saying, well, that's foolishness. It's an offense to me. It offends me that you would say that someone had to die in my place so that my sins could be forgiven. It's an offense to me. So to some it's foolishness and to some it offends them. But to those of us who believe, listen, to those of us who believe the cross is the glory of God and it is the power of God. And that's why Paul said, I am going to glory in the cross. Now listen to me. There was a time when Paul gloried in his religion. He gloried in the fact that he was born uh, a Jew uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. He gloried in the fact that he was zealous for the law and kept the law. All of his religious traditions and all of his religious accomplishments and all that he'd become in Judaism, he gloried in that. But buddy, I want to tell you something. When he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and when he understood that his religion was just that, it was religion. But he understood that Jesus Christ died on the cross for him. The very Christ he had blasphemed. The very Christ he was putting the followers of in jail. But when he realized that Jesus Christ died on that cross for him and he understood that, and that Jesus Christ would forgive him of his sin, and listen to this, would give him his righteousness. Paul said, when I found out that there was a righteousness not by being religious and keeping the law, that there was a righteousness that was mine through the death of Christ and his sacrifice for my sin, and that Jesus would take my sin and give me his righteousness, when I understood that, he said nothing else mattered to me. And then he wrote in Galatians, God forbid that I should glory, not in circumcision, uncircumcision, not in religion. He said, God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the world was crucified to me and I unto the world. 
You know why we glory in the cross? Let me tell you why. We glory in the cross because it is the greatest expression of love that the world has ever seen. The greatest expression. I glory in the cross, but it's an expression of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believed in him would not perish. Do you understand what it would be to give your son for someone else who was wicked and rebellious and didn't care? While we were still sinners, God gave his son. While we were still wicked, God gave his son. When we were his enemies, God gave his son. What an expression of love. No love can compare to that. The Bible says herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation, the substitute for our sins. Man, we glory in the cross and we sing about the cross and we celebrate the cross. Why? It's the greatest expression of love that any human being could ever know or could ever understand. And I want to tell you, God loves you like nobody else loves you. He loves you unconditionally, and he desires that you know him and love him and allow him to change your life. Oh, the amazing love of God. And we glory in the cross because it's the greatest expression of love that the world has ever known. But you know, We glory in the cross because of the obedience of Christ on the cross. You know, Jesus didn't come into existence when he was born in the manger in Bethlehem. In the beginning, Jesus Christ, God the Son, there was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, the triune God. In creation, Jesus was there. You know, God didn't say, I'm going to make man in my image. He said, let us. Well, who's us? God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy. Let us make man in our image. And so we glory in the cross because here is Jesus Christ who is 100% God. Who laid aside his deity and came to this earth and was born as a man full of the Holy Spirit. He's called the son of David. And Jesus is perfect humanity, but he's also perfect deity. Now, he who is God and will always be God laid aside his deity, came to earth, and lived on this earth as a man. And listen to what the Bible says in Philippians 2. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. You know? Jesus, who is God and who will always be God, laid aside his deity, took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man, and he became obedient to death. Was it a struggle for Jesus to die? Oh, yes. It was a struggle for Jesus to die. I mean, it it was a struggle. He battled it. He knew the awesomeness of the cross in Gethsemane. As he was looking the cross in the eye, he said, Father, I know I was born to die. I know that only as I die on the cross for men's sin will they ever be forgiven. But, Lord, I've looked into this cup, and I see the guilt, and I see the shame, and I see the separation, and I see the sin. And as I look in this cup, Lord, I want to ask you, is there any other way for creation to be saved unless I die? Is there any other way, Lord? Because he knew. 
He knew the suffering, not just physically, but spiritually on the cross. And so one reason we glory in the cross is not only because it's the greatest expression of the love of God, but because it is the greatest example of obedience where Jesus Christ said, I'll go, I'll obey, not my will, but yours be done. But you know, we glory in the cross because of the price that Jesus paid. He he paid an awful price, an awesome price on the cross. We glory in the cross because of the price that he paid on the cross for you and me. You know how valuable your soul is? Do you know how valuable your soul is? Jesus died for your soul. He died for your spirit. He died for you. That's how valuable you are. I, I mean, come on. I'm just a piece of junk. I mean, my life's not doesn't mean anything. It's not going to count for anything and will never amount to anything. That's a lie, and don't you believe that? I am telling you, Jesus Christ, you were so valuable to him that he died on the cross. He paid an awful, awesome price so that you could be forgiven. The Bible says we were redeemed, purchased, paid for, not with corruptible things like silver and gold. Compared to the blood of Jesus, Silver and gold are corruptible things. Think about that. He said, we weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. We weren't purchased and paid for by corruptible things like silver and gold. But we were purchased and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. He said, you were paid for, purchased, paid for by the blood of Christ says in Hebrews 9, it was not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Paul said, I'm not going to glory in my religion. I'm not going to glory in the fact that I was a Pharisee. I'm not going to glory in the fact that I was circumcised. I'm not going to glorify in the fact that I was smarter and more zealous of the law than anybody else. He said, I'm not going to glory in any of that. He said, the only thing I'm going to glory in is the cross. The cross, because in the cross and the death of Jesus, people become a new creation. He said, I will not glory in anything other than what Jesus did for me on the cross. So we glory in the cross because it's the greatest expression of God's love. We glory in the cross because it's the greatest example of obedience that we could ever see. And we glory in the cross because of the price that was paid, the price that he paid so that we could be forgiven, could be saved, could be cleansed, and could have his righteousness. But we glory in the cross because of its provision. And the provision is simply this, that we can be forgiven And we can have his righteousness. I'll just give you two verses. I glory in the cross because he provided so that I could be forgiven of my sins. And you could. So 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. The provision of the cross is that we can be forgiven of our sin. We can be forgiven. I get to thinking about this. You glory in the cross because when Jesus comes to live in you and he forgives you of all of your sins, you are no longer guilty. What a provision that you're not guilty anymore. 
Jesus Christ has come. He'd already paid for your sins on the cross, and he comes to live in you, and he removes your guilt. Secondly, he removes your shame. You don't have to live in shame anymore. Most people live in guilt or live in shame. Jesus came. He died for us and shed his blood on the cross. When we receive him as our Lord and Savior, the guilt is gone. The shame is gone. The separation, we're no longer separated from the God who created us, is gone. And the sin is gone. Man, it is so good not to be guilty and not to be full of shame and not to be separated and, and not to have sin just covering your life. You see, that's the provision of the cross. He took care of our guilt, our shame, our separation, our sin. And that's why Paul said, I want to tell you, I want to glory. I'm going to glory in nothing but the cross because of its provision. And we want, the last thing is we're going to glory in the cross not only because it's the greatest expression of the love of God. And not only because it's the greatest example of obedience that we have ever seen. We glory in the cross not only because of the price, his own blood that he shed so we could be saved. And we glory in the cross not only because of its provision. Our sins are gone and the guilt and the shame. Listen, but you know, we glory in the cross because of its victory. I'm going to tell you. On the cross, Jesus defeated the devil. Hallelujah. He crushed the head of Satan. On the cross, Jesus Christ overcame the world system of which Satan is the prince and the ruler. And on the cross, Jesus Christ put to death our flesh that would cause us to sin. And this morning, we glory in the cross because the victory over the devil and every demon in hell and the victory over the world system and the victory over our flesh has been won by the Son of God. And there's victory in Jesus is more than a song. It's a reality. It is finished. The battle is won. So we glory in the fact that of the victory of the cross. I don't have to die in my sins. I don't have to go to hell. I don't have to live in this world ruled by the devil or the world of the flesh because I am telling you, Jesus won the victory for me and Jesus won the victory for you and his victory is your victory and he wants us by faith to enter into that victory and to live as an overcomer by the power of the Son of God. The victory of the cross. Brother Fred, was it really a victory? Well, all I can tell you is, on the third day, he rose from the dead. Let me give you a verse. Declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. When Jesus came out of that tomb, Father, the Father said, I accepted his sacrifice. I accepted his precious blood. I accepted everything that he did, and I accept his victory. And now that victory is available to my creation. Oh, I want to tell you one thing. If you have any question about the victory of Jesus, just remember that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. And because he lives, glory to God, we can live. It was no coincidence. It was the divine plan that the last thing Jesus did with his disciples, the very thing that he wanted to write on their minds and their hearts, those 12 
that had followed them, one of which was about to betray him. It was no coincidence that the last thing he did, well, he said, I want you to find a room. And they found an upper room. It's called the upper room. And so they went into that upper room. This was the night before, while his betrayal was coming on and his crucifixion was imminent. He found that upper room and the first thing he did was wash their feet to tell them that I want you to be a servant. I want you to wash each other's. I want you to have a servant's heart. And he, he, he did that. But then he said, now this is what I want you to remember. Now it's interesting. As important as it was, he didn't say, I want you to remember the day that Lazarus had been four days, dead four days, and I raised Lazarus from the dead. I said, Lazarus, come for He said, I don't want you to, I mean, you can remember that, but that's not what I really want you to focus on. I don't, I don't want you to focus on and remember that I fed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fishes. I, I don't want you to f- focus on the fact that I cast the demons out of the demon of the demoniac of Gadarenes and set him free. That's all right. You can, you can remember my teachings and you can remember my miracles. But this is the one thing you've got to focus on. So he took a piece of unleavened bread. And it, unleavened bread was very significant because it meant that it had no, no leaven in it, which was a picture of sin. And so now he's got some unleavened bread, which was a picture of his sinless life and of his sinless body. Why unleavened bread? His sinless body, his sinless life. He said, now, this unleavened bread is my body, the symbol of my body, which is going to be broken for you. And he was just getting ready to go to the cross. He said, now, as often as you eat this bread, it is a reminder of what I did for you on the cross. He said, as often as you eat this bread, you remember not my miracles or my teachings as important as they are. You re- as often as you eat this bread, you remember my death. You can never get beyond the cross. Don't ever get over it. Don't get over the glory of it. He said, as long as you do this, you remember my death till I come back. And then having done that, he, he, he took a, 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 the fruit of the vine. They probably had a common cup filled with the fruit of the vine. He said, now, this is the New Testament, the new covenant in my blood. And there it was, the, the fruit of the vine. And uh, he said, now, let me tell you about this. This is a symbol of my new covenant. This is a symbol of my precious blood that's going to be shed on the cross to pay the price for your sin. And he said, now, remember this. As often as you take this cup, filled with the fruit of the vine, a picture of my precious blood that would be shed for you and my death, as long, often as you drink this cup. Now, listen to what he said. You are remembering my death until I come. You see, 
We celebrate the resurrection and Christ lives in us. But without the cross, there would have been no resurrection. And he knew that they could never forget that was because he died for them. And his body was bruised and brokered. And he, he, he knew that they could never forget the fact that it is only by his sacrifice and his shed blood that they could be forgiven, cleansed, and saved. And they could never go beyond the cross. They could enter into the resurrection. So he told them, don't forget what I did for you on the cross. And so this morning, we're going to do exactly what he said. Take unleavened bread. Thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken and bruised for me. I remember your death. Thank you for for the cross. And then we're going to take the fruit of the vine and we're going to say, Lord Jesus, this is such a beautiful picture of your precious blood that was shed so that I could be forgiven and so that I could be accepted by you. And it's a new covenant based on your death. And I'm never going to forget what you did for me on the cross. Now, if you're a Christian, you say, well, I'm a Christian, Brother Fred. Jesus Christ lives in me. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. And Jesus lives in me, okay? Then you're part of his family. And then you join in partaking of the Lord's Supper. We need to pray just for a moment to be sure that our hearts are prepared and ready. So all I can say to you, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and your testimony is that Christ lives in me and that I am his child, then we want you to participate. But we want God to prepare our hearts. Okay, so would you pray with me as we get ready? The Father, in the name of Jesus, this this is more than a symbol. This is a powerful symbol life-transforming experience. Because when we take this unleavened bread, it's like taking the body of Jesus. And when we drink the fruit of the vine, it's like partaking of the precious blood of Jesus. And Lord, we, 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 we just come with, with fear and reverence to the table that the Lord prepared for, for us. Now, we don't want anything in our life. We don't want any sin in our life. We don't want anything in our life to quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to to partake of this unworthily. So right now, before we pass the bread and the fruit of the vine, is there anything in your heart that you need to get right with God? Any, any, Any sin that you need to confess Something that God puts his finger on and says, now that's not right. You need to ask me to forgive you and you need to deal with that. So that when you take, you'll take worthily and not unworthily. So would you let the Lord search your heart? So that with clean hands and a pure heart, we remember the cross. No, I'll tell you what we do. We glory in the cross until Jesus comes back for us. Now, Lord, bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, they were sitting around the table, and Jesus, I guess it was a common loaf, and he broke off a piece and passed it to the next disciple, and he broke off a piece. And then he passed the cup around. And so uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to pass out the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. When the tray comes by you, it's already there, the, uh, the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine's there in one little uh, thing, and you'll be able to take that. And then we'll partake of the Lord's Supper together. 
All right, let's, my Lord, bless as we now share, pass out among your people the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. Bless it, Lord. Make it very special and meaningful to every person in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what you often hear people say? How could a loving God ever allow anyone, or to put it in their words, how could a loving God ever send anyone to hell? You don't understand. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so what God did, he blockaded the road to hell with a cross. Right in the middle of the door of hell is the cross. Now to get into hell, you've got to go over it or around it. So please understand, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Men were already lost, already condemned, already going their own way. But God said, I'm going to do something about that. And he did. And so we celebrate his death because without his death, we couldn't be saved and we couldn't be forgiven and we couldn't have life. But he died for us and we know him. And now we know that in him there is life. And we're not afraid to live and we're not afraid to die because we know him. And so he took the unleavened bread. He said, now listen, this is my body which is going to be broken for you. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, wow, we are healed. So this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you take this, you remember my death till I come back for you. Take it and eat it. And then Jesus realized that it was through the fact that he paid the price of dying. And as dying, he shed his blood for our sins. That, that was the new covenant. That was the grace of God. And so he wanted to remember that this was not a covenant based on law. Do, 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 do. This covenant is a covenant based on grace. God has already done it for you. And when I shed my blood on the cross, I did for you what you didn't deserve and couldn't do for yourself. What is grace? God does for us what we don't deserve and could not do for ourselves. Amazing grace. For by grace are you saved. God does for you what you don't deserve, couldn't do for yourself. And so therefore, he said, now this is the new covenant based on, not on works, not on law. This is the new covenant in my blood. And said, as often as you drink this cup, you're remembering that it was through the cross, my death, that you have life. He said, so take it and drink it. Father, as we pray, we remember your death, Jesus. We see you on that cross. Dying in our place, crying, my God, why have you forsaken me? But also, Lord Jesus, we see the, sto the, the stone over the door of the tomb rolled away and you coming out as the risen, living, victorious Son of God. What you did, Jesus, you did for everyone in this room and you did for everyone in the whole world. And you love the world and you would have all men and women 
to know you, to love you, and to be one with God. You seal this in our heart, Jesus. Don't let us ever forget one day what you did for us so that we could know and love you.